Bye, George. Hope you have a safe trip back. Bye! Man, evil Ninja left a mess. So did Coda as a morphing master. Oh, you're right. Let's clean that up. Hey, guys. Don't you have a show to watch? Man, I can't believe Coda just tore up the couch like that. God, that's gonna take forever to fix. Uh, guys... Damn, man, Evil Ninja's boots got all over the clothing pile. Guess I gotta put it in the washer. And you know, I don't think we've done dishes yet today. I'll get started on those. You do realize you have to watch Ninja Steel eventually, right? No, No, we we don't! Hi, I'm Kelvin's childhood train phase, Sid. And this uterus has gone uterus, Ashley. And this is Rangers Plane, where Sid, enthusiastic lifelong Power Rangers fan, takes Ashley, reluctant new fan, through the world of Power Rangers and Power Rangers accessories. This month, we're finally ending the Neo Saban era with Ninja Steel. Uh, but first, we're going to be discussing a very serious topic here. Uh, while we were getting ready to you know, to put this episode together, I think it was during our last watch. Uh, Unfortunately, the news has come out of Jason David Frank's passing. Yeah, um, so it definitely ended up coloring the rest of this particular watch because, you know, this is now officially the last time we see JDF in the franchise as Tommy Oliver during Ninja Steel because this was the 25th anniversary, if I remember right. Yes, I do believe so. Okay. Which is, it's kind of weird to think about how much time the Neo Saban era actually took, even though there's four, because we've had two different anniversary specials, like, bookending the era. Yeah. But, anyway. Yeah, so... That's been going on, obviously. You know, we've all been talking about it within Power Rangers fandom. Um, and reflecting on it. Uh... Just because, you know, JDF being who he was. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's it's weird to think that he's just not there anymore. Yeah, I was, I was coming to Ashley because I've been a part of this fandom for just so long. And it's one of those things like JDF. It's, I'm not going to have sugarcoat it. JDF was not my favorite guy. Yeah, he um, wasn't. I mean... Also, for the fact is, for me, I don't really have any, like, nostalgia attached to him. So, like, yeah. my feelings on him aren't going to be, co- you know, don't have the sugar-coated, candy-colored, like, childhood feelings. Because it's like, he's mm-hmm. he was kind of just a guy that I didn't really, I mean, I was familiar with him in nerd circles, but, like, I didn't really, you know understand much of like how big of a deal he was to power rangers fandom until like i really got involved 
Yeah, that's that's where kind of my mourning comes from. And it's very weird to say. It's like, oh, oh, you're mourning him, Sid? I'm like, yeah, because he was such this big part of fandom. And no matter how you felt about him or him as a complex human, you know, he was a complex human being who was weird sometimes. Uh, he was just kind of a mainstay. He was just always there. I'd say he's definitely a big part of why, you know, there is a modern community uh, Mm -hmm. that actors did come out and start doing, you know, these shows and everything in terms of, like, comic conventions and all that. Um, And now that person's gone, and it just feels like it's an empty hole there. And, like... Every, you know, people have hit or misses with a lot of, of actors, even if they're very good when you meet them. But, like, JDF did try to be good to his fans and try to, you know, be well, even even if, you know, he was, you know, JDF in some ways. I guess yeah. best to describe it. You know, he's yeah. still, he's like, he cared so much about the, the community of fans and... So a while back, uh, Joshua Moore, who is someone, uh, a member of the fandom, he uh, sounds like he works for a local newspaper in Lexington. He ended up posting kind of his own, I don't want to say obituary, but his own thoughts on JDF passing on a sub stack. And he also posted the uh the audio of uh, his interview with JDF that he did for the 10th anniversary of Lexington Comic-Con a a while back. And, uh, you know, he was just thinking, oh, 10 minutes for the paper, and JDF went on for hours. He did did specify that stuff that's off the record, he's honored that it's off the record, but it's a very interesting listen to on kind of, like, where JDF was and how excited he was for the future. And uh, one of the main things is what might have... What might have been going on is uh, he committed suicide, and it's just kind of it's it's sad, you know. He was just so excited and definitely kind of a a look into this very energetic person's mind. I guess is what I have to say. Yeah, and it's it's been really weird. I think for the past like at this point week or so that we're recording. Um, by the time this comes out, it's probably been about two or three weeks. Um, I think especially because JDF was such, uh, you know, a mainstay within fandom, like, it, with at cons and stuff, and also the fact that, like, again, a lot of people have a very, uh, not, I don't want to say rose-tinted glasses look at him, but, like, he, like, the view a lot of people had of him was obviously of just Tommy Oliver, like yeah they they watched mighty morphin zeo maybe up to turbo as a kid and they remember tommy and so obviously in their brains jdf equals tommy um which i mean obviously he's not the first person to ever have encountered that i'm sorry i was just reminded to i think maybe help your point here is uh kurt and i were talking about like how Mm -hmm. You know, people assume, like, did that with Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia. Yeah, because I, I did want to kind of equate that, because she talked about how she kind of had to be 
Leia's custodian. Yeah. And I think in a way, I think, I think JDF really gladly accepted the role of being Tommy Oliver's custodian. Because for better or for worse, and we can bitch about Tommy Oliver all day long, because... <laughs> yeah. Um, but for better or worse, he loved being Tommy Oliver, and he loved being a Power Ranger. And I think that was evident in how he worked, but it's been weird to be... I saw... I've seen a couple of people say, rest in peace, Tommy, but it's like... But here's the thing. Tommy as a character is still alive within certain Power Rangers canon. Like, he's still in the comics. He's yeah. still, like... And you could still go back and watch, like, all of these anniversary specials, or Mighty Morphin, or Zeo, Turbo, whatever, and Tommy's still gonna be there. Tommy's yeah. not the one who's dead. It's Jason David Frank. And yeah. I think that... I don't know if that clouded whatever decision he made, or I think it clouds maybe people's view of how you regard him, but it's like, it, you have to remember when we're talking about his legacy, we are not talking about Tommy Oliver, even if sometimes it felt like the two were inexplicably in, in, intertwined, or intrinsically yeah. intertwined, rather, not inexplicably. No, explicably, yes. Um, but we have to remember we're not talking about like when we talked about Carrie Fisher we're not talking about Princess Leia like saying rest in peace Princess Leia is not yeah that that does Carrie Fisher to service and as many complicated feelings as I would have on JDF it does Jason David Frank a disservice to only boil him down to just being Tommy Oliver yeah and that was that was also the thing that like Kurt and I discussed too on um, basically when I had time to talk about it because I worked during this time mm -hmm. and I really didn't have time to digest it until like Tuesday. Yeah. And so we, when we talked about, it, he brought up, you know, it's like when people would say it irked him and he even called someone out. It's like Carrie Fisher was a person. Why are you mm -hmm. saying rest in peace, Leia? Yeah. And, Jason David Frank was a person, and I, you know, when people are like, I just remember somebody on Facebook was like, I don't understand, like, why you would do this, you know, and going back my head, I am like, he had a family history of suicidal depression, that's what happened to his brother, uh -huh. and unfortunately, I, as, so, as someone who has experienced suicidal depression, it it can, it can just... It can encompass your entire thing. And I, I know everyone said, go check on a person, whatever. And I'm like, I, I very much think people, like, that's, I think people are well-meaning. But it's like, I don't think a lot of people realize, it's like, you, you, you've you learned to hide pain mm -hmm. a lot of times. And you don't want to bother people. And even sometimes just checking in might not be enough. So that's for another topic entirely. Yeah. But it's 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 definitely one of those things It's like, it's so sad that, you know, I know he had ADHD. In fact, when we were, I was listening to the raw audio that Joshua Moore pointed out, JD, it was one of the things JDF talked about when he answered. I was like, oh, is this still, you know, we agreed uh, around this time, still got time to talk. And he was like, oh, yeah, I set my alarm for it. I always set my alarms like I have a 15, like a 15 minute and then this is when this is happening. And I'm going mm -hmm. back in my head. It's like, I do this fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, that can definitely play into it. And I mm -hmm. think also just the fact that, like, a lot of stuff had kind of happened with his personal life recently as well. Like, yeah, I 
I do feel kind of bad for making the jokes a few weeks back. Obviously, you know, I can't see the future. I can't see what's going to yeah, happen. We, we, we but, didn't see the future, and I, I also felt bad, too. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I, I did make jokes on our Twitter account about um, when his wife filed for divorce because he was allegedly cheating on her. Yeah. And, but it's like, it was one of those things about in the foresight, it's like, because it's, it's JDF, like, you know, sometimes he could be very goofy and egotistical, and, like, it just, I, at the time, you know, it felt very funny, the fact that, like, he was about to have divorce guy energy. It, like, yeah. at least the perception of when we were, when we were meeting this, yeah, this piece like, of news. Oh. That's like, I cannot wait for long-haired Tommy to come back and it's all green and shit, you know? Right. And he updates um, his motorcycle. I think that's what we were more thinking what was going to happen. And Yeah, not that, you know, we would be having this discussion, like, two yeah. months later. Yeah, and so. obviously, you know, we don't know if that played into it or if it was just one thing after another after another. I Again, I don't. None of us know yeah. him personally, or knew him personally, so yeah. it's hard to say. And, but it, it's one of the, I was just going to say, the, the things that were known that were real bad were obviously the divorce, um, his soon-to-be ex-wife uh, had a step, had a daughter from, like, a previous relationship, and, but he was, he was close to a lot of, you know, those kids, and her daughter committed suicide very uh -huh. recently. And then you had uh, the anniversary of his mom's passing also came up. So it's like you had a lot of bad just hit him in the face. And it's like, yeah, it's one of those things when I listen to that foot, like that thing, it's like, it reminds me of when I was at, like when I would just go into these depressive states, it's like you could have the ward on your oyster from a few months ago. And then all of a sudden shit happens and you don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, and obviously it's hard to say, like, what led to, you know, what led to this point. And, you know, we're not going to say definitively yeah. this is what happened. And um, honestly, it's it's probably just depression and a multiple things and mental illness, again, from being from that standpoint. Yeah. A lot of things. Yeah, but I think it's important when we talk about, you know when we talk about Jason and we talk about mental health to remember, you know, a couple things that one, he was, you know, a complex human being like any of the rest of mm -hmm. us. And like, when I put it out there that like my feelings are complicated on him, it's that necessarily, I didn't, I didn't hate him. Like, I think sometimes I found him fun to clown on because, you know, he was kind of a cheesy guy. Like, yeah, but as you can tell, like he very much like, I don't think I've heard, I've only heard, like, a couple of bad fan stories about him, and at worst it was kind of just, like, maybe he just wasn't in a great mood, or he was trying to be polite in the face of something that conflicted with his own weird personal beliefs. Yeah. But, like, generally it sounded like he always tried to give people, like, the, you know, the time and energy when they would come to meet him, and, like, you'd see, like... All of these people who do regular convention circuits would talk about just how amazing he was to, like, mm -hmm. meet and deal with and all that. So, I think he, nobody is ever just one thing. Like, and I yeah. think that's important to remember. And yeah, I think when, you know, when you want to talk about him, like, 
Yeah, I don't think it's disrespectful to, you know, maybe mention some of the more negative aspects. Like, it's not, I, I don't think, like, for me, when I say, when people say don't speak ill of the dead, I take it as, you know, maybe don't bring up, you know, those problems directly at the funeral. But, you know, I think it's important to remember that people, when they die, they don't suddenly become angels. They're still complicated people who leave complicated feelings behind yeah and that's that's overall a lot of my feelings it's like tommy was a i was a big tommy fan as a kid and obviously Mm -hmm. i burned out on tommy um you know i don't like a lot of how him and a lot of other people wanted to perceive a much older tommy even Mm -hmm. though i get that you know you wanted to have a more mature role I'm just like sometimes people majority people do not get more maturity you know often means like deeper storytelling it does not mean like death and violence and sex right that that can be actually immature storytelling you know um but it's just kind of one of those things it's like he's was a big part like you said it's like the worst he would hear about him was like maybe somebody caught him at a bad time or like you said like something may have conflicted with his beliefs but he was trying to be nice um, I cannot say that about Austin Chain. John, fuck that guy. Yeah, um, my feelings on JDF are complicated. My feelings on Austin St. John are uncomplicated. He can go fuck himself. The and fact, like, I, yeah. I, I actually, I, this is so mean of me to speculate, but I feel like he's also using JDF's death and being like, oh, I mourn for him. It's like, everyone knows you two hated each other. And you just got caught at a con saying the most disgusting things on a panel. Yeah, so, like, if he does actually feel bad about letting their macho bullshit get in the way of closure or whatever, like, he is allowed to feel that. But the fact that, like, again, he just got caught being a raging homophobe on a panel, you know, at a con. And a sexist. And a sexist. yeah, and this is like uh, what? What? Probably one of his first cons back after he got fucking arrested for federal wire fraud. Like <laughs> that. It sounds like he's taking the plea deal, so you know he's he's a narc. Yeah. So it's like you're a homophobe, you're a sexist, and you're a narc. So you know you could just go triple fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, no honor amongst right wing fees. Honestly, exactly. Anyway, um, I think just to kind of- I wanted to liven the move to say, fuck that guy. Yeah, so I think just to kind of close this out, um, for our listeners, if you are struggling with mental health, we know that, from the both of us, we know the struggle is fucking real. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And that, you know, you're not- weak if you feel these feelings it's not a moment of weakness if you are if your brain is lying to you and you feel like that you can't reach out or you're not you know you're not beating it back or whatever Mm -hmm. but i think for me i mean i i have not dealt with the suicidal ideation the way sid has like i can only say for like a really brief period of my life yeah that happened but it nothing that there there's really nothing that suicide fixes like 
it, it there's just really nothing that it really fixes. Is no. all I can really say. Like, as, as tough as shit can be, we are better off with you here. Yeah. And um. sorry, I'm not gonna try. I'm not gonna cry. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it's like we are better off with you here, and there's nothing that suicide is going to fix it's just gonna it, it just it makes it breaks things more i think and, also, and that's not to make you feel guilty or anything like that it's just yeah I, i'm also gonna say like you can't fix suicide as in like you can't come back to life yeah like um <laughs> that's yeah that is you have this one life on this planet and you know and let's say even if you believe in past lives this is your life that you're living right now and this is who you are impacting and from what i know about past life beliefs you don't even remember your past life so this is the now um you don't get a you know you don't get redos but you also don't get respawns not to sound all game gamery but yeah i mean to to paraphrase my oncologist before he before my hysterectomy you can take it out you can't put it back in yeah (laughs) and there's so much as someone who's gone through this a lot when i say a lot like it's it's very like uh five times in my life i had you know twice almost went through um you know, you don't get to you don't get to redo your life, and there's so much to fucking live for in this world, even if you don't think of it at this time. Um, let people help you. I, you know, that's like my big thing is let people help you, and focus on something else for the time being. If something is really like tries anything, like I remember. One real bad spell. I just started watching Kitchen Fucking Nightmares. <laughs> yeah. And that got me focused on things again in life, I guess. Was just seeing Gordon Ramsay yelling at people. But, you know, just, just find something. Focus on that bit by bit and let people help you. And, you know, and, yeah, it's... There's more to life, and it really, truly is, even if you're not thinking of it right now, especially if you're young, it's temporary. It truly is temporary. You know, next couple of months, it can change around, okay? Yeah, it's, that's really, you know, as shitty as things feel now, it's, like, there's nothing that, like, things can turn around, or... Maybe it's the only way out is through. Yeah. But. A lot of cases, a lot of, it's the only way out is through, but still being here is good. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, even if it's like, even if the big things are are weighing you down, there's still a lot of little things to stick around for. Yeah. Um, And if you, and for those of you out there who are listening that like, maybe you feel bad that you haven't checked in on somebody like it it's again it's hard to know it, it obviously i think your heart's in the right place um just maybe 
look up resources about how to better help your friends who may be in a bad mental health spot or Mm -hmm. um how to better be of assistance in those cases yeah um and again that's not to make anybody feel guilty i think again i i think it is very valiant to say you know check in on your friends but i think sometimes even your friends may not know what they need yeah i mean you can always i know a helpful thing uh some of my friends used to do that lived around me um in cincinnati would they would just on top of checking on me be like hey you want dinner Hey, yeah. you want to go do something? You know that can it that can be the check in. You want dinner? Yeah. I'm paying or I'm making dinner. Uh, you you know, hey, like I know you know you're going through a tough time. You mind if I come over and help clean your place? You know those yeah. little things. You can it, have an action if you reach out and be like, you want dinner? And you know, don't be like force it. Just say like, I can help do this if you need me to come by. I can take you out to dinner. You know, those little things can help. Yeah. And, you know, and if you do have a friend who is going through grief and feel you worry that that might be compounding any mental health issues that they have, definitely offer to do something for them. Yeah. Gr- like, grief can fuck with you. <laughs> so, yeah. Action helps. And, um, yeah, I think... I, I don't know if we've exhausted this topic now, but uh, um, especially with the holidays come up, I mean, up, action helps. You're you're not alone in this. And um, yeah. If anything else, Ranger Splane loves you. So. Ranger, Ranger Splane loves you. We we love having you here. Uh, you know, I'm glad you listen to us um, and I'm glad you find our podcast meaningful. Um, as something I went through also very weirdly with the latest defunct land documentary video. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that definitely put into perspective of things I do, whether for work or for this, I, um, <laughs> yeah. that there, there is meaning even in the things that feel small. So, yeah. Thank you for listening to us and thank you for, um, uh, yeah, thank you for, for bringing meaning to this. Yeah. Well, um, that's enough that talk. Yeah. Now <laughs> that we've uh, ha- have been all, <laughs> yeah, now that we've been all emotional and talked out our feelings and shit, let's, uh, let's talk about Ninja Steel. <laughs> <laughs> so what is. What is Ninja Steel about? When Galvanex, cruel champion of galaxy warriors, claimed the mighty power stars, Earth's greatest ninja sacrificed himself to keep the universe safe. Ten years later, a new generation of warriors arise up to protect the ninja power stars. They are the Power Rangers Ninja Steel. And then it was never that cool. Yeah, as you can tell, I did not even bother writing a wholly original five-minute pitch for this we just took the intro from the first season <laughs> we just were like how would we describe it? it's like let's just describe it like that and just say this was never that great yeah this is not as advertised 
Yeah, so like this is season is such a letdown. When the last season, okay, I mean, technically the last season that we watched was Hyperforce, but like when you go from and and chronologically for television, when you go from Dino Charge, which did drop a little bit in the second season, but was still pretty fucking good, to this, you're just yeah, like, what um, happened? I feel like that was kind of also the feeling in the fandom was like, what happened? And uh, turns out this is something very recently being brought up. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I got a lot of what was talked about. Uh, talk, uh, this is from uh, Simon Bennett. Like he did some Rangers plane talk and some tweets on the matter. Uh, but essentially what happened was it sounded like there was an extensive amount of executive meddling that went on. Uh, I know he, like, I believe he tweeted about uh, one of the things is, like, they kind of clamped down a little bit more on, the executives kind of clamped down a little bit more after Dino Charge. They wanted to be a little bit more, uh, they, I think they felt like it was too mature or something for children, I think is how I put it. So they tried to to aim it to be more kid friendly, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, you had things like, you know, he talked about, you know, they it was an, we couldn't allow them to be like ninjas, other than they were stealthy. It had to have two at least two apparently it had at least two standalone Victor and Monty beats in it each episode, uh, and then you had to construct a moral of the week, which I don't know if that was like. You know, standards and practice are Saban brands mandated. There was talk about, like, there was one of these executives in the U.S. who really fucking loved fart jokes. Everyone thinks it was Saban, but we don't know. You know, no names yeah. were named. Um, and he talked, it's like, I, you know, this really wasn't Chips doing, uh, who was the executive producer and showrunner at the time. Uh, this was a lot from Saban brands. Over, right. like, you know, um, like, you couldn't, there was one thing, it's like, no, one thing, he's like, no setups with later payoffs permitted, uh, no serial threads, this also, like, apparently leaks into Beast Morphers, there's just kind of this very, like, people were trying to do something good here and you could tell by the first episode like mm-hmm. here are these threads for these characters like we're gonna talk about like they had interesting backstories and stuff to them and it's just nothing yeah and so like and, and as you mentioned with that executive meddling about no serial you know no serial threads no you know none of this is that there's really no tension to like any of the like episodes like yeah, except was... the sorts of, like the very end like the last two yeah. episodes had dramatic tension and there's a little bit of dramatic tension in the with regards to like trying to find out who brody's brother was but that's about yeah. it yeah it was, it was something i realized when i was like watching i'm like what seems off and I finally texted you. I'm like, I realize there's no actual dramatic tension. Like, that's why I didn't remember any of the monsters or anything. Because even in the Mighty Morphin era, they were still dramatic tension in an episode. And it was normally focused around, you know, something to do with the community or them being teenagers. But there was still something. I know uh, recently on 
the Patreon stream, mm-hmm. um, the last one we did, uh, we watched the 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 spinning wheel one where like we had the whole play around Rumpelstiltskin skin and you know they were using Kimberly's grandmother's spinning wheel and it broke and then you know it was then used as a monster. And it tied it all together because here's Kimberly like worried about the spinning wheel and what happened to it, thinking like mm-hmm. bulk stole it or something. And now it was just a monster attacking things. And it's like there's stakes in it, even though they're very minor or, you know, or my favorite was Happy Birthday, Zach, to really kind of look at that. That had a lot of like decent tension in that episode you had. And that was a first season one. You know, you had yeah. the the kids were like. Oh, we're throwing a surprise birthday party for Zach, and, you know, they're trying to hide it from him, and unfortunately, Kimberly said something, you know, you know, that made Zach think that they for- all forgot about her, uh, his birthday. And, you know, and then, you know, but Rita overhears it, and she's gonna create a special monster for his birthday to kill him, you know, and so, you know, you have these things where it kind of resolves around some sort of dramatic tension. But here it was just like, it was so disjointed. Like it, not, the monster would rarely revolve around that dramatic tension. So, you know, it just kind of fell apart. And I feel like when, with the soonest the tension would be introduced in the episode, it would then get resolved. Yeah. And, or like, it just, just felt flat with its re- resolving. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Like I just, I just remember it's like, oh, you know, it's Power Rangers. It's gonna end well, unless it's RPM or something, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, you, you're always of the thing. It's like it's gonna end well, and so you know that. But like, you shouldn't just feel like you're rolling your eyes at it when it happens, mm-hmm. or that's it. And that's how I felt when a lot of times the tensions were resolved in it. Not, okay, whatever, but you you still feel relief, like, okay, cheesy kid show thing, but, like, oh, man, I I can't imagine, like, kids aren't stupid. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is that there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of change that was happening around uh, Nickelodeon at the time as well. Like, literally, like, several years before this is, like, like, um... Dan Schneider had gotten outed as being super abusive to his, like, team. So, like, there was a whole shakeup with how they were doing live-action shows over at Nickelodeon. And, like, it just, yeah, it definitely felt like Saban hadn't really caught the memo of, like, the changing landscape of children's television. And, and so, in like... In general, that's something we could talk about with this, uh, this era, but go on. It's just sort of, yeah, so there's, like, no tension, and then, like, the morality of the show is kind of broken in a way. It's not updated. Yeah. Power Rangers as a show has never, like, really shied away from having, like, you know, teaching lessons to their audience. But, like, and, and this one felt marked in terms of, like, every episode seems to have some sort of clear moral that it's trying to hammer home to its ver- its child audience. Which I think is just kind of adding to the whole, like, Kids aren't stupid. You don't, like, you don't always have to, like, explicitly spell this shit out for them. But, yeah. like, there there would be episodes where it's like, that's actually not really a great lesson to teach. Um, 
in terms of like where we are currently at like basically like this one that bothered me uh, i think we have one uh, for each of us that kind of bothered us is yeah. that there was an episode where levi had this fanboy that i don't know if he had transferred schools or like anything like that but like levi has this fanboy that tracks him down and it's just like, oh, yeah, you signed for me this autograph and you called me your friend. And, like, Levi's like, oh, I don't think I really signed that. I think my manager did. And, like, the, the this fan is, like, trying to, like, always get Levi's time and, like, dre- like dressing like him and, like, constantly trying to hang out with him. Whereas Levi, and Levi gets annoyed by this because, like, he's literally trying to do ranger stuff, trying to, you know, be at school and all of that. And he actually, at some point, is just like, okay, we are not friends. Like, please leave me alone. I'm not going to do this for you. And, like, uh, it makes the, you know, makes the fans sad. And then, like, it ends. But then, like, the series makes Levi feel bad for this. And, like, yeah. it's basically, like, he was just, like, yeah, he, like, but he was just trying to be nice, and, like, you really need to be nice to him back. It's like, no, this guy was be clearly, was, like, five seconds away from single white femaling Levi. <laughs> and, and, like. Single white, single white male Levi, like, single white male, you mean? Yeah, no, I mean, I mean the movie single white female, but, like. Oh, okay. Um. You know, basically about to, like, steal this man's entire life, basically. <laughs> and, like, like the behavior was a little unhinged. Like, I get it. Maybe, like, at best, he's being overly enthusiastic and not recognizing his boundaries. At worst, it feels like, yeah, he's being creepy and might cause actual harm to Levi. But, like, the show is just like, well, Levi's the one being the dick here. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe, you know... That's weird because it's like Levi's clear. Like it's not teaching kids you should assure, assert your boundaries. Yeah, it's that you really just need to be nice to people, even when they annoy you. Yeah, or you don't have a good feeling of them too bad. You got to be nice to them. That's yeah, funny. like it's it was just really gross to me. And like, yeah, it's power. You know, it's for this particular Power Rangers that you know the tension is that like. The tension, quote, quote, with that was that, like, this kid's friends just, like, make fun of him for not coming through with Levi coming to hang out with them. But it's, like, still, like, it's, like, if this had actually set boundaries of, like, I'm doing this for you, but, you know, we, and I'm, you know, I'm sorry that I blew up at you, but, you know, we need to set up clear boundaries to make sure that, like, something like this doesn't happen again. Yeah, or like, hey, you know, I, you know, I know, I mean a lot, you know, I mean a lot to you as a, as a guy, but, you know, I don't, I just met you, you know, I don't know you as well as you think I do, and really kind of, you know, establish, like you said, establish a boundary. And yeah, yeah, that, re-watching that, I was just like, oh my god, Levi's not in the wrong here. Yeah, and that's, I think that just fucking bothered me about that episode is that like there's like two times that levi tries to establish boundaries or like hey i don't like doing this thing or i don't want to be involved in this thing and the series just immediately turns around tries to make him feel bad about it it's like why so Uh, it just it just sets up this message of 
You feel uncomfortable? Too bad. You need to be nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, mine that I remembered forever. I remember ranting with George about this too, and he mm-hmm. remembered me ranting about this, and he hates this one. Was the episode where, um, like Kelvin quits school to be an apprentice mechanic. Because essentially some guy, you know, the guy at Joe's Mechanics met him uh, while he was looking over somebody's car. Calvin was just being nice, you know, looking over the car and everything. And realized, wow, Calvin is basically already a mechanic. He just needs some training. And the way the episode handled that just was, it was basically like, stay in school, kids. And it's like, okay, but we are in... The be- at the time of airing, it was right around when student debt was being very seriously discussed of how it's hindering, like, a generation and soon to hinder another generation. Uh, you know, people are talking more and more about, like, trade schools or, you know, you could go back to school whenever you feel like to learn more. And it's just, you know, everyone treated like Calvin was doing a bad idea when, like, mechanics can't you know if you're in a good like job like if you have a good boss paying you well mechanics are paid a lot like mm-hmm. they're paid a little bit more than than ashley and i are like it's a, it's a very steady very well-paying blue-collar job normally mm-hmm. um and like cal it's like one of those things it's like okay maybe you know work out something to where calvin works part-time because he's still in school and at least earn the high school degree. So, you know, if you want to go back to college, that's it. It's like, no, we're just going to make Calvin feel bad. And then when, you know, when he's asking, hey, do you want to, what do you think is causing this problem with Joe? Joe's made to be the bad guy because all he wants to do is just like, hey, all I just do is fix it. I don't want to know what's going on. And, you know, if it's a pattern or anything. And I'm like, but that, because it's his job. He just wants to, he just needs to find out what's wrong with the car. It, unless it's like the same make and model, in which case he probably then is like, wow, I may have to go talk to the like Toyota about this issue because there's probably a defect. He isn't going to be inquisitive about those things. And so it's like, and then, you know, when, when he's fixing, helping fix a spaceship with Mick. And he doesn't understand. Mick's like, well, I stayed in school, and that's why I know how to fix spaceships. It's just like, dude, you were enslaved for, like, most of your life. Yeah, like, what? Like, where is this all of a sudden be like, well, I stayed in school and learned how to fix spaceships. Like, when? When? (laughs) Like, what in all we know about the Lion Galaxy did that happen? Yeah. So, you know, and it ends, and, you know, he basically, he's, like, he he talks to Joe, and Joe's cool with it, and I think even basically offers him, you know, if you ever want to come back. Yeah. You know? And it's, like, this is, the, you could have done this episode so much better that didn't revolve around, you need to stay in school and go to college, and it's, like, Calvin could go to college whenever the fuck he wants to after high school. Yeah, he doesn't have to immediately go to call. And, like, even if he did quit high school, GEDs are a thing. You don't need a prestigious degree somewhere unless you're, like, either planning to be an academic, but mostly if, like, you're, you know, you're trying to get in daddy's law firm. 
Like, yeah. Like, you can just go to a state college. Yeah, like, he doesn't, like, I just, the the whole messaging of that episode was just so weird about, like, so, wait, he has to not have this job ever? Like, he can't work a part-time job or anything yeah. like that? Like, or... Or even decide, like, late, like I'm going to continue to do this full-time after school. You know, it's like, you guys are right. I should finish up high school. You know, I'm here. And, you know, I'll do this part-time and also, you know, full-time. And, you know, if I change my mind, I'll save up my money from my well-paying mechanic job. Yeah. But, no, because, like, especially because that's always been a problem with Power Rangers is that they get, they don't get to do anything else. They have to focus specifically on being Power Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. So like, <laughs> ugh, fucking hell. Yeah, and then like, there's also that one episode with the fucking security guard, <laughs> where the like professional narc. Yeah, like the whole thing is that this guy is going around, and he's is constantly writing up people for like minor infractions. And like, he's, yeah. he's essentially abusing his power, which is the same thing Victor and Monty are doing, by the way. Yeah, and like, one of the points of tension, quote, quote, is that like, Haley gets written up like a dozen times in one go because she brings her dog Cody with her to school. And like, it's against the rules, even though nobody has mentioned this up until this point, that it's against the rules for the dog to be here. Also, and the dog's barely there to begin with. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, so she gets written up, and then, like, um, her principal Hastings is like, you have to go and sort the garbage at school as your punishment. It's just like, just fucking put her in detention. Like, what is this? <laughs> and then, like, later, like, she goes to go, you know, like, she runs late to sort the garbage because of Power Ranger stuff. And she gets there and the security guard's like, I already did all of this because the recycling center's about to close. And I just wish people would listen to the rules and, like, just actually sort the recycling properly. But yeah, no. and that's thing is, like, sort recycling. Yeah. But no, people don't. So I'm about to quit. And Haley's like, oh, no, I've seen the light. You can't quit. And we need to follow the rules more. It's like, why are we doing this with a security guard? Who, yeah. like, is clearly yeah. just abusing his power to, like, get little wins over, like, actual children. Yeah, you know, what was it I said? It's like, he could just actually, like, been the janitor. And, yeah, like, he... got to an argument with Haley when Haley didn't put it in the correct bin. Yeah. And, like, I feel like you can do this, like, you need to follow, like, you could, like, I feel like you, if you need to do one of these, like, you need to follow rules, like plots which i hate those because they usually just end up being weirdly authoritarian in some way yeah and, which i think the only time i've ever seen one uh, a show about rules that actually like pointed out like hey sometimes rules are meant to be broken because the people who make them are not always like morally correct like was danger and eggs that is the only time I've ever seen somebody actually make a show that says, hey, sometimes you gotta break the rules. Um, but this case, it's just like, why do we have to go through this whole rules plot with a fucking rent-a-cop when the plot is clear, most of the plot is just about recycling? Yeah. Like, just make him the janitor or, like, the school garbage man. 
who gets annoyed that he has to, like, sort everybody's trash instead of people just actually listening and noticing, hey, just put this in the recycling. So, yeah, it's just, the yeah, the plots on the show are just very stupid. They're they're yeah, pointless they're and they and they talk down to their audience like i'm 30 i'm 32 years old and this was like obviously i know i'm not the target audience for this but i would feel like if i was watching this as like five six i would hate this like it is clearly just fucking talking down to me yeah it's i think one of the things i remember when we were watching toys that made us Mm-hmm. And Saban went, I'm going to take it back to the 90s and make it fun again. You're like, fuck you, dude. Uh, yeah, it's, it's def- I definitely agree. It's just none of the show. The show feels like it's, it's trying to be the 90s, mm-hmm. but like bad. Like the worst aspects distilled into one season of why 90s children's television could be bad. Right. You know, there wasn't even, like like I said, it's like, even Mighty Morphin had tension in episodes. Uh, they even had fun episodes. I mentioned the, you know, the, the Happy Birthday Zack. There's no moral around Happy Birthday Zack. It's just about a surprise party. Yeah. Or like, no. and there's like, not even like the fun episodes where like, well, I mean, there are episodes where like, the Rangers, like, uh, get bot? Well, not body swap. There was—I don't think there was a body swap episode this season. But like, you uh, know, there, there, there was a- with monsters. Yeah, uh, yeah. But like, not like the Rangers weren't getting body swapped with each other, or um, and that, like that monster one was a Halloween episode, and like, so you don't yeah. even get the like shenanigans of like the monsters causing havoc at school. Um, or like, oh, I just had it in mind about like what i was about to rant about and i totally just spaced on it Um, i was thinking about the bully juice oh right (laughs) from mighty morphin oh yeah well that's what i was about to say like that's it because there's usually an episode where like the rangers like turn evil quote quote because of some like external force and like even like the one episode where that happens where like levi and uh brody get turned into assholes over like a like a foot race or it was like a triathlon or whatever like yeah and they still turn it into some weird moral about having to work as a team it's like can't we just have them just be jerks and then like lay off and then realize oh i was a jerk i'm sorry guys i was brainwashed by this guy's uh rod i didn't <laughs> make that joke i'm sorry <laughs> rod rod uh, yeah it's just yeah it this show was just very dumb and by the end i'm just like ugh, fuck yeah by the end we actually saw like episodes with tension and all that and we're like wow where was this show yeah and as he pointed out the whole like i didn't even realize the whole like oh we wouldn't they couldn't really let them be ninjas besides being stealthy it's like oh so that explains why their only real ninja power was making hay boys <laughs> Like, what is this? Like, Naruto is a thing. Kids love Naruto. Why are why can't we do more ninja stuff? <laughs> uh, kids still like Naruto and his son Baruto. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Disney yeah, the era did ninja stuff. Yeah, like and had actual tension beyond like 
you should recycle more or listen to your <laughs> principal or sometimes you make mistakes and you shouldn't punish people for that, which they did with Principal Hastings, like, firing, like, the drama teacher for falling asleep in class accidentally. What? Yeah, like, oh my god. And then we get to our characters, which is just, we're gonna get into them. Mm-hmm. They are very interesting on paper, and we're going to probably talk about what, what made them interesting. But then they're just, because of all this meddling and stuff going on, they are just flat as shit in the show. Like, and, like, this is something I kind of appreciate going back with Mighty Morphin a little bit, even though, yes, we were very harsh on the first season. Mm-hmm. Is you had, you, you had, like, actors like Amy and Walter... A uh, little bit of David, too. You know, people who had kind of, you know, acting experience, putting a little bit into those those very, you know, flat characters. And yeah. And bringing them to life in a lot of ways. Like, uh, particularly particularly that first season with Zach and Amy. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, Zach and um, Kimberly. Uh, yeah. Amy and Walter just really brought these characters to life. Yeah, and, and made I would, them memorable. Yeah, and I would say, you know, David as well, like, with Billy, yeah. like... Once David felt, like, more comfortable, Billy was really, like, one of those characters you remember. Oh, for sure. And, like... So he wasn't given much. <laughs> yeah, and, like, there's, like, so many, like, little meaty bits that you could, like, with these characters that you could expound upon if, like, if you were in a better, like, if... Well, yeah, if you had, like, if you didn't have the executive meddling, if you had somebody go in and actually, like, be willing, like, have the space to actually make stories out of it. Like, you know, you have, and we'll get deeper into that, but, like, you know, you you have things there that could cause, like, interesting, like, plot tension or, like, um, you know, could have more interesting backstories with, like, the episodes. But, like, we very barely get any of it. And it sucks. Yeah. Because, like, especially because this cast is actually not that bad. Like. No. They they deserve to, I think they deserve to have a little thing, a little bit meatier um, things to kind of sink their teeth in and really, like, spread their, like, spread their acting chops with and learn, like, because a lot of them are very young actors. Mm-hmm. And, like, prob- and learn and expand, uh, in te- like, learn and expand more into television. It's just, they gave them nothing. Yeah. So. Mm. Did their best, from what I understand, they did their best, but, you know. You know, sometimes your best when you're given, like, you know, if you're given absolute crumbs to work with or even absolute garbage to work with, like, even your best can only do so much. Yeah. But, yeah, so I guess let's go ahead and just get into our characters. Um, So we're going to start with our Red Ranger. So that is Brody Romero, and he exists. <laughs> like, yeah. that is, he, I will say Troy is still the blandest Red Ranger from this era, but Brody is very close in that regard, in terms of, like, bland leads that are supposed to be kind of your leader of the team. And and I feel like it's all because Brody had an interesting backstory coming in. Yeah, that... Yeah. Troy was new in town. Yeah, that was his entire backstory. He's new in town. Town. 
Um, so I, I think that the, there is a Seamus Kelly on Den of Geeks that this article way back, we often reference it, and mm-hmm. it ranked the Red Rangers, and he ranked Brody pretty low. And I think it's summed up, I think, the best best ways to sum up Brody Romero. On paper, Brody is a fa- fascinating character. Kidnapped as a child and forced to work as a slave on an alien ship for 10 years before escaping. The dude has a killer backstory that could lead to all kinds of amazing focus episodes. Too bad the dude just runs around shouting, This is epic! All the time. He could have been great, but ended up being so pretty forgettable. Once he finds his dad in Ninja Steel, he also he is left little to do in Super Ninja Steel. Yeah, and I think that pretty much just sums it up pretty succinctly. Yeah, so pretty pretty um, much sum, sums up Brody. He, you know, because you you did like like I said, like the first episode or two where you're introduced to these characters. There's so much good stuff going on here, and his was. You know, obviously we had that beginning with his dad and you you saw him, you know, get captured and taken on this ship. And here he's back 10 years later. He might be able to go back to Earth and him and Mick escape. And you have and, you know, here he is. He's he's helping people get their their power stars. And even within like the episode after they solidify as a team where he has to kind of learn to adjust being on Earth, even though it was a whole don't cheat episode. Um there was there's a lot of thing of him being like a fish out of water not getting you know because he was he spent like (laughs) 10 years of his young formative years on a spaceship enslaved he's probably not going to get a lot of the customs on earth and instead he just just do nothing he just shouts like it's epic or some really bad one-liners and that's all yeah like there was a point I wanted to just say about Brody in terms of like, yeah, it just any war- real potential at story just kind of goes out the way. Like, especially because I forgot the whole like, you know, was trapped out, you know, was kidnapped by aliens for ten years thing. Because I feel like that could definitely lead to like, it's the it's the Tanya problem of like yeah. you have that whole backstory of Tanya back in uh, Zio. It was Zio, right? Yeah, it was Zio. Yeah, you had that whole backstory of Tanya and Zio where, like, you know, she, you know, was from the past and comes to the future. And, like, you could have done all of these backstories with her of, like, oh, well, she doesn't quite understand how this works in, like, modern 90s times. And then they did absolutely, did absolutely nothing with that. And I think you have the same problem here is that you have somebody who could be struggling with what it's like on Earth now, you know, since he hasn't been there since he was a child. And they do nothing with that. And I didn't even remember much of how Earth is. Yeah, like it. It's yeah. It's just kind of weird. It's like I feel like even if you did it at the most basic level of like he doesn't understand basic things. Like I still think that could work with for like an audience of children. But like yeah. it's not really since we can't serialize anything, so fuck that. <laughs> yeah, fuck any sort of threadline. You know, it's kind of refreshing watching something like. Ryuki and Deep Space Nine yesterday where they had through lines. Even stuff that was like from previous ep- like seasons of Deep Space Nine they were like, we're mentioning it now in season five. Yeah. Or season six, I think I'm on right now. We're about to go in season seven. But yeah. yeah. And it's just like, you're not getting any of that here. Uh, he was way more interesting when he was possessed or brainwashed. 
Yeah. Oh, that's the point I wanted to make, is that he clearly has the classic Chip Lynn backstory of he doesn't know where his dad is. Yeah. <laughs> and then he doesn't even Where's do anything like- with that. <laughs> no. They, he <laughs> finds his dad at the end of season one, and then, like, that's it. His dad doesn't even go back out or anything. Like, we later find out at the end of Ninja Steel, his dad's been there the entire time, raising his two boys and taking them to school. They just did nothing with that of, like, repairing the family after it being broken for so many years and all that. And trying to get back in touch with, you know, his kids, even though they're clearly, like, like, 17, 18 years old now. Yeah, so I just, yeah, that was the point I wanted to make, is that, like, this is how void of tension this series is. He has the classic Chip Lynn protagonist background of boy who does not know where his dad is. (laughs) Where's my dad? boy angry at his dad, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and they do nothing with it. Wow. Yeah, no, like, they, like... They would, it felt like they would just bring it up every now and then in season one. And all of a sudden his dad shows up and it's like, yay. Yeah. It's like, it, it, they brought it more often up in like fucking VR troopers. Cause he, like they would let you know every fucking episode that Ryan dad, Steele I'm missing you. is missing his dad. <laughs> like that Pinoka. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yes, the point you were making is that Brody was more interesting when he would be possessed or brainwashed, which happened a total of, like, twice in the series? Yeah, twice or three times. I know one, it happened, like, with the with the romance monster. Like, he got hit like, with, like, the arrow, and then he, like, fell in love with her and was fighting Calvin and Levi over it. it was just, yeah, because like, they were oh, both he's... possessed by Venom. And then there was the, yeah, there was the weird, uh, uh, jock twink, whatever. From the episode, that was another very weird episode because you had the ep- like the bit with Calvin going off of that one dude, mm-hmm. and therefore they had like nobody to run the relay. So here's this monster running the relay. But now we have a new plot, which is Levi or no, it was yeah, I think it was like e- Levi and like no, it was Calvin and Aiden and or sorry, this is how bad these characters are. I don't remember. It was Cal no no. It yeah, was, it was like Levi and and Brody both kind of got turned evil and was mean to the rest of the team. Yeah, so that's what happened is that they this was like shortly after like they realized that Levi was Brody's brother. Yeah, I and just he, I I just forgot when uh when when Levi came in and I'm like, did he come in in that episode? I don't remember. Yeah, no, it was <laughs> it was like two episodes before that. I want to say I I can't remember. But yeah, yeah, so he was like Brody was more interesting when he was like possessed and brainwashed, but that's because like he actually got to do something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm evil now. Yeah, so he had a character. I want to bang this monster. Yeah, he had a character besides just I'm the Red Ranger. Everything is epic. Which at that point, epic was not even really in like internet lexicon anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, that he had just, gotten phased out by, like, 2015 at the latest. He was like, it's like, what if we made the the protagonist from uh, from the Lego movie, but, like, stripped him of all, like, you know, 
Stripped him of all, like, story tension. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, um, also, so I guess it's like Brody should have been played by Chris Pratt, is what I'm saying. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't even bring myself to say that. And I say this as somebody who used to like Chris Pratt. <laughs> Chris Pratt. Uh, Chris Pratt, yeah. I'm sure he loves hearing that. I really also love how he just gets mad, like, the, the campaign behind, like, he wasn't the, named the sexy Chris, so obviously he was cancelled. God. It's like, no, like, no, everybody just you're... said that they preferred the other Chris's. Yeah, it's like, I'm sorry, dude, you're going up against Evans, Hemsworth, and, um... Pine. And Pine. Like, I'm sorry, they're all way better looking than you, dude. Like, don't... Yep. don't Evans even has that, like, chill bro you meet at the bar vibe. Like, anyway. <laughs> Getting a little off topic, but yeah, Brody just flat. So let's go on to Preston Tien, our Blue Ranger, who is our nervous magic boy. Yeah, so this is officially the... Okay, in the timeline was, like, was this running at the same time as Hyperforce? So is this, like, a, the second ranger that, um... I do believe. I do believe so. That either Peter that was, was like in prior. Playing. Yeah, it was either that of like right prior. I want to yes. say hyperforce. Yeah. So, but either way, I'm, it's wild for us chronologically. We did hyperforce first, so it's wild to see like as much as like for us, um, Marv like didn't get as much to do in hyperforce as some of the other Rangers. Like Marv actually had a character. And, like, you know, yeah. he had character tension and, a, like, a tragic backstory that informed his character. Whereas Preston is... He's magic! He a magic boy. <laughs> yeah, like, that's his whole thing, is that he's a magician. And, like, and because he's a magician, all of his friends sometimes call him Presto. Which I didn't even realize that till you mentioned. It's like, it's his name Preston, so they can call him Presto. And I'm like, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I was just like, it just took, I was like, is that why they named him Preston? Is so that they can make this joke? Oh my God. <laughs> and I didn't notice at all. And I've watched this series before. And it's probably because the series just leaked out of my brain. And I'm just like, I. that's how I felt. But yeah, um, Preston's whole characteristics are is that he's a magician. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of a. He was kind of a bad one, but he got better because he got actual magical powers because of something, something, ninja steal, something, something, who the fuck something. cares? <laughs> um, certainly, certainly not the executives of this show. <laughs> Absolutely not. And uh, he's just kind of nervous. Like, he's like, it's one of those things about like, he's nervous in high school, but you made the joke about like, he, once he gets to college, he'll probably just be crushing it. Yeah. That's what he happens to nervous people. They got they got a college and then just just crush it. Yeah. So like, you know, he like, especially because he's got enough of the dandy like dress sense of like dress that like college girls will just eat that up. <laughs> also, like you're already into like illusionist magic, so you can like do like the clowning classes and stuff that sometimes happens in college. Yeah. So. But yeah, like learn that's to, uh, you learn to juggle better and like have all sorts of fun. Yeah, I think Preston would do well in college, but right now he's just a nervous boy who like can't talk to girls. 
Though he gets a girlfriend for like two episodes and then she disappears. Yeah, there's this like, it was kind of interesting because it's like she was introduced and it's, it's one of those you can very clearly tell like she likes him and it's like, and Preston kind of doesn't realize it but also he because he's 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 been having ranger duty so he's been having to blow her off with the lab stuff right and he's been feeling and at the end of it he's like oh i'm sorry you know i just i should have handled that better it's not that i don't want to hang out with you it's just i had stuff to do and then you know all that other things and then also there was like this whole plot of them having to lost their powers of the ninja steel and then they had to gain its honor back and so he's yeah his yeah but, and then uh, like and then, oh go ahead i was saying then there's the the other episode that had to do with the valentine's day dance and there was it was this whole miscommunication episode yeah and that was weird because like i mean obviously i would say that preston and most of this case did the right thing but like basically like he doesn't know if this girl likes him and what was her name like sarah or something like that? no Sarah's. no not sarah uh it was either Sarah or Emma. Sarah was a ranger. I think it was Emma. Yeah, I think it, yeah, Emma sounds right. So, like, he doesn't know if Emma likes him or not and wants to, like, ask her to the dance, but, like, doesn't know if she's going to, like, say yes. And then, like... Heard from Victor and Monty that she wasn't interested in a date. Yeah, because basically she told them she wouldn't be interested in the date. and But, like, specifically Victor and Monty that she didn't want to go with them. Um. Yeah. So, like, this is whole back and forth where, like, Haley's like, you know, maybe you should just, like, actually, like, ask her and, like, not believe everything you hear. And then, like, there's a whole thing where, like, she gets hit with, like, it looks like she gets hit with Venema's arrow. So, like, Preston doesn't actually think that she, like, wants to actually go to the dance with him. And, like, so he has to turn her down because he thinks she's under a spell. Which is objectively the right thing to do. (laughs) That really is the right thing to do. If you think someone is not able to consent to something, you reject them. Yeah. Like, that is what you're supposed to do in any case of like that. It's like, even if this does not involve sex, like, this is the most platonic thing you could do in high school, which is go to a dance together. Yeah. Like... Even in that case, you are supposed to say, no, I am not going through with this. You cannot consent to this in your right mind. Yeah. And, Which but you, then you they can't re- say yeah. because, yeah, you know. Because, you know, that would give away him being a Power Ranger and, like, show that, like, he she could be in danger to the monster. And then, like, imme- nearly immediately, like, he realizes that, like, the arrow hit her book and not her. So. He kind of just uses the Victor and Monty excuse thing. It's like. Well, when I overheard you with Victor and Monty, you said you didn't weren't interested, so I thought you really weren't interested in going to the dance. Yeah, like, which I feel like is a decent cover up in that case because it's Victor yeah. and Monty. Like, but still, it was yeah, it was like that did have like a decent amount of tension with regards to like, you know, oh well, did, does this like even though it's very obvious this girl is super into Preston. Um, and, like, I feel like you could pull something of Preston needing to believe in himself a little bit more out of that, but nope, uh, no, that's not how it happens. No. And then, like, again, he, like, he has a girlfriend, he has this girlfriend for a total of one episode, well, two episodes total, and then she disappears. We never see her again for the rest of the series. (laughs) 
She goes to where Billy's girlfriends go. Yep. This is in this part, I guess, of the of the morphing grid where it's just yeah. she's just floating there and they're playing yeah. Dungeons and Dragons for the next quadrillion years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's a level nine vice president. <laughs> uh, then the other thing we found out about Preston mm-hmm. was he was like his dad you know, he comes from a rich family and his mom's dead. Yeah, which like I feel like you could have had, like, the level of tension with, like, you know, Kelsey's grandmother from, like, Lightspeed. But, like, no, it's, like, for one episode, you meet his dad. His dad is just determined to take down this, like, like, memorial tree. It's not even that. They just call it the ribbon tree. It's where people, like, go and tie ribbons to it for, like, things that happen in their lives. Like, a celebration. And it's, like, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he like tear it down for a skyscraper or some shit yeah and like it's like okay so we find out preston has a dead mom it's like okay that could be an emotional through line about like you know preston not having a mom or like preston being at odds with his rich dad like you know we could do that like you know in time force but no nope. mm-hmm. Like, we meet his rich dad for one episode, and then his dad realizes in that episode that he's being an asshole. Because one of the ribbons fell from the tree, uh-huh. and it was the the tying of cel- was celebrating when Preston came home from the hospital. Yeah. And he was reminded of his dead wife. And that reminded him to be less of an asshole and, like, protect the tree and, like, actually fund the park around it. Yeah, so. So, you know, realistic billionaire behavior, I'm sure. <laughs> um, not by Twitter, because <laughs> 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 your your partner, like, dumped you and then decided to date a trans woman. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, but even with all of this, Preston weirdly had the most character growth. Yeah, oddly, one of the more better moral episodes was um, Preston got a, you know, they basically got a magic book. And it's really weird. They kind of echoed this in a later episode, but it's where he was hesitant to power up Haley. Because he's like, Mm -hmm. hey, remember, I did this the last time and fucked up. But basically... Preston was like, oh yeah, I don't need to study all these spells because they aren't interesting. I'm gonna go slam ahead to this spell and he fucks it up. Yeah, and even though Princess Vera tells him, you have to learn these in order. <laughs> so it's like, it, basically the lesson here is no shortcuts. Yeah. That yeah. was one of the better ones. But yeah, because he ends up accidentally turning Haley invisible. Yeah. That and so the same d- episode too, so... Yeah, no, it, but yeah, it causes, like, that has actual tension in the episode because we have to turn Haley back, and he, so he has to learn no shortcuts and has to learn the entire magic book. And I think, like, Haley had to learn that as well. I, w- mm-hmm. I didn't realize these were the same episodes, so this is what I said yeah. earlier. Uh, and Haley was also trying to take a shortcut, I think, to, like, do a good tennis match against Victor. Oh, yeah, there's, like, I forgot what that was, because there's, like, two similar episodes where, like, 
Haley is trying to get a tennis record and Sarah's trying to get a like uh land speed record for her hoverboard. Yeah. Um but anyway, yeah. So but yeah, Preston has like the most character growth and then I kind of actually has the most useful skill out of all of the rangers because since he has actual magic. <laughs> yeah. Like there's like multiple times where the plot's like, "Hey Preston, can you do this magic thing to like help us?" And so he does. Like that that's basically it. And it's like again, the magic thing is not even that well explained. It's just that like because he's a ranger and like has magic in his heart or something like that. Yeah. But he can only use his magic for good and not personal gain. Because if he uses it for personal gain, and monsters pop out of his hat or some shit. Yeah. Dumb. Yeah, it is not very well defined. Alright, so we have Captain Maxwell next, and he was... Uh, how I described it was he's got the ADHD, he's got the autism, he's got the combination ADHD-autism. Yeah, like... Calvin is one of the rangers who kind of gets the short end of the stick in terms of like characterization, but like the one of the most his most consistent things is that like he he's loves cars and he's a really good mechanic and he's pretty much self taught in terms of mechanic um mechanicness. So he loves so he loves cars and dealing with cars, and then um but he's also very forgetful. Yeah, and found driving overwhelming, which is why he never got his license. Mm-hmm. You just kind of squint at him. And he's like, uh. And this was a very interesting thing. Uh, I don't think they ever found out why. But he was originally casted uh, by... Um, he was originally casted to play by a man named uh, Chance Simpson. Uh, and... Like, this was announced at Power Morph Con and everything. And then all of a sudden, it's like, no, we have a new guy. His name is Nico. So we never found out why the recast happened. Okay. I'm guessing it was a conflict of, you know, interest of, like, you had another booking, essentially, yet another, like, acting thing booking or something like that. That's normally the common thing of a recast, so... But that's that's kind of a I guess fun fact. Um, and yeah, the other thing about Calvin, he's his, he's his boyfriend to Haley, and like we mentioned, he's a mechanic. I kind of wanted to like him a little bit more, but really, there's he, he and he and Haley both get the short end of the stick. A lot of their episodes more deal with them as a couple, and they don't really do anything with them as like an established couple. Even though that's a very interesting thing to start your Power Ranger series with. Yeah, because I don't think we've ever had, like, a couple, like, established from the jump. Yeah. Like, at least at least those who weren't, you know, they were young and rangers, not old people. Yeah, like, I, I, I can say that this is the first time that they've really done something like that. Because, like, oftentimes you kind of have the, you know, the back and forth, oh, will they, won't they? Or, oh, this character clearly has a crush, but he's not going to act on it until the end of the fucking season. So, yeah, it was just very interesting to kind of just have them be, like, an established couple, even though they do nothing with it overall. <laughs> yeah. Like, sometimes they'll have a plot where, like, Haley and Calvin have a fight because he forgot something. Or even in the last episode, there's, like, this whole- they have this whole fucking fight because 
Calvin, like, she asked Calvin for his honest opinion on an audition she did, and he told it to her, and she got mad. And, yeah. like, eventually, like, like just also it's just an, uh, an autism mood. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, like, it's up to Sarah to be like, you know, Calvin was kind of right. Like, you did, you were very hammy with this. <laughs> And which Haley's response is like, did she, did he tell you to say that? And she's like, no. <laughs> no. Something I think we both noticed is that, like, yeah, he is very bi in his, like, presentation sometimes. Yeah. Especially, I, especially in that also, one episode with that one guy in the car. Oh, my God. He totally wanted to bone that guy. Until the, it was revealed that guy didn't actually rebuild his engine from scratch and was just using him to, like get his oil changed <laughs> yeah that sounds like it would be a you know one of those like bad fanfic plots i guess just yeah like, or bad romance plots he's using me yeah <laughs> pounded in the butt by my own engine <laughs> I checked into- <laughs> Sorry. um but yeah, like Calvin and Haley in that, especially in that episode, give across the episode of like, oh, they they appear straight unless, yeah, because <laughs> like Haley, some like at some point was just teasing him about his like little man crush on I think what's the guy's name AJ or something like that. Yeah, it was something dumb or like Chaz. Yeah, because they they tried to make him be like a greaser, and it was like that. That's how you could tell. That the person involved was trying to do, like, well, this was cool when I was a kid. It's like, Heim, chill the fuck out. <laughs> nobody is, nobody are greasers anymore. Unless yeah. they're really into rockabilly, and then you have to wonder if they're also racist. <laughs> yeah, it's like, a rockabilly could go either way. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> that, but, was an epi- that was an episode of uh, Daria, weirdly enough. Uh, oh, I have not seen enough Daria, so I did not realize. But anyway, so uh, I guess kind of move on to Haley, who is our White Ranger, who gets the shortest end of the stick this season. Congratulations. Yeah, it's just like, ugh, poor girl. So, because it's like, character-wise, like, what we know about her is that she has a dog, Cody, and he's a very good dog. And by the end of the show, she, like... There's, like, a couple of episodes where it's, like, she likes acting. Like, she does Romeo and Juliet with Preston, and that that's a whole- That episode was just, ugh. I think that was my fa- my least favorite miscommunication episode of this season. Oh, and yeah. probably in Power Rangers, because, like, it's this whole, like- it's, it's another, like, don't believe everything you see or don't believe everything you hear episode, but, like, there's this whole thing where, like, Haley and Preston are doing, um- are doing a performance of Romeo and Juliet for the school's drama club. Which, by the way, they do Romeo and Juliet in the show, but they didn't contact Dr. Jason Narvey. <laughs> like, I am insulted. But also, like, it is such a fucking most... It is the most, like, watered-down, child-friendly presentation of Romeo and Juliet I have ever seen in a TV show. Yeah, it doesn't even have the, like, fast-forwarding through the nudity bit. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, it gets the- it, It's like, okay, so basically all we see of it is that uh, Romeo introduces, like, introduces himself to Juliet. 
Like, it's like, that's not quite how that happened. It's like they literally saw each other from across the room at a party. And then we're just like, oh, like, like, the whole, like, window scene is literally Juliet having a conflict with herself because she realizes, oh, shit, I really like this guy. He's really hot, but he is, like, the son of my family's mortal enemies. So, like, yeah. what what do I do? Do I chase that dick or not? <laughs> like, that is what the window scene is. And, like, or the balcony scene. That is what the balcony scene is. And, like, it gets at the end that, yes, Juliet dies, but it cuts out the fact that, like, it's, it's, a, it's a fucking layered death because she takes the poison that, like, well, it's not even really a poison. It's basically, like, a sleeping drought that, like, makes it appear that she's dead. And, like, like there's two messengers that are sent out at the same time, and there is... A uh, bad timing because the first one is supposed to, like the first one is supposed to reach Romeo first and they're supposed to be like, "Hey, buddy, you're about to hear that Juliet died, but really, it's all chill. She's not actually dead. That guy doesn't get there in time, so he gets the actual me- he gets the message of Juliet. She is dead. So he goes back to Verona and like thinks that she's dead and kills himself. And then she wakes up in time to see that he's killed himself. And she's like, oh shit, I can't go on without you. And then it kills herself. <laughs> like, and every, it is. Everyone's dead. Yeah. Well, not yeah. really. Yeah, everyone's dead. Like, he's playing Love Fool at the end. You know, it's fine. <laughs> B- Benvolio's alive. But yeah, Benvolio. Who, who cares? <laughs> who cares about Benvolio? <laughs> like, Benvolio's <laughs> exists to, like, just be alive at the end of the show (laughs) but anyway yeah so going back to the actual plot of the episode um is that like she doesn't want to actually tell calvin what she's doing because she wants to surprise him but like her and preston like she keeps like and but since preston is playing romeo like they're holding hands in the hallway and like uh, he gives her, like, a necklace that she's going to use as a prop in the show. And then, like, at one point, Calvin actually p- catches them practicing stage kissing. Just fucking tell him! <laughs> like, yeah, just be like, oh, I'm in this play. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, even if he doesn't believe that, have him come to the play at the end of the show and then just be like, oh, you were totally right and I should have trusted you. <laughs> like, yeah, instead of... It's easy to turn it into a plot about trust and not just, oh, well, you know, you should, like, like turn it into a better plot about trust and not just make it into a plot about trust where you believe your partner wholeheartedly, even though things look a little suspicious. Yeah. Like, I'm like, you could have turned this into a plot about communication and trust, but no, we're not doing that. But then, like, this carries over to another episode where she's like, well, I like acting now. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's your characteristic besides you have a boyfriend and a dog. Yeah. Uh, it feels like in some of the episodes, like I said, there was that competition episode a while back. Feels like she was supposed to be, like, they asked for no pickles of the group. But it just never got further than that. She She's definitely, I will say, from the characterization we did see, like... If her and Calvin go out for burgers, she would be like, hey, excuse me, I'm very sorry, but he did ask for no pickles. Yeah, that is, she's definitely the he asked for no pickles girlfriend. Yeah. Um, um, so- I guess so we'll move on to our pink ranger, who is Sarah Thompson. Um, 
So you Which you I, made this, so I'm gonna let you. I it. was like, Sot the Hedgehog plus Tails equals Sarah Thompson. That's like the best way I can describe it. She's got to go fast, and she likes tinkering with mechanical stuff. Yeah. So like, I feel like there's definitely like interesting things they could have done with her, and like in some cases they did because like there's a couple of episodes that involved her and her mom. Like yeah. Like, one of the better episodes of the series is basically that you find out that her mom's also an inventor. And does, like, a lot, like, tries to make a bunch of stuff. And maybe doesn't always succeed with it. But her mom likes to tinker around. And, like, her mom was trying to help her with her hoverboard. And, like, Sarah gets mad at her and blows up at her. um, But then kind of, like, has to realize that, no, her mom is literally just trying to help. And, like... Maybe you should give your mom a little bit more leeway. Which I feel like is a a good lesson to teach. Like, I mean, obviously some people's parents do suck. But, like, I think if you have a parent that's well-meaning but sometimes, like, slips up. Yeah. Or, like, it's a little too over-enthusiastic. I think it is a kind of a good lesson to teach them to kind of give them a little bit of leeway. Yeah, that was actually one of the better episodes. Yeah, and then, like... And then there was another episode where her mom showed up and, like, Haley's dad was also there. And, like, her, like, Haley and uh, Sarah teamed together to try to stop their parents from fucking. And it, it's actually, they, they basically succeed until it's, like, them having a relationship and grow, growing would actually, like, save the plot. And Mick was like, just let your parents fuck. They were, they were happy together. What the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah, like, clearly that was the plot of the episode. <laughs> it's like, just let your parents date instead of being weirdly selfish about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like... M- Mick is an advocate for adults, fu- for older adults fucking. Yes, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, Sarah, I think, yeah, a lot of her episodes revolved around... She was, she invented something, or she's trying to, uh, do, like, she, or, or she's trying to do something mechanical, or she's trying to break a record, or she kind of got, like, the, I hate to use this in Harry Potter terms, but she kind of got the Hermione and Prisoner of Azkaban plot in that one episode. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, she, she spread herself too thin, so, like, she did that whole thing where she made the fucking hologram clones. Instead and of then, the time turner. Yeah, instead of the time turner, which I think that, like, the, the hologram clones are cooler anyway. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, JK. You yeah. may remember your plot lines, but fuck you. That was your last good book, too, because you then you decided you needed no editor. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. But, um, yeah, so she ends up getting the I, I, I spread myself too thin plot and, like, Mick has to be like, hey, you're spreading yourself a little too thin here, so... Also, that episode... I Okay, I said this on Twitter, and I just remembered it now, but is that episode, like, out of all the episodes in this series, referencing the boomerang arrow from the Hawkeye comics that Matt Fraction wrote? Because, oh, like... God. Yeah, because I, I don't know, because there's this whole bit where, like, she's in the archery club, and she, like invents a boomerang arrow which is literally just a giant boomerang that she shoots out of her like bow but like i was like the boomerang arrow is a whole thing in hawkeye because like 
in the third issue of Matt Fraction's Hawkeye run, he like they introduced the boomerang arrow out of all the trick arrows, which um Clint's whole thing is like it just comes back when like it always comes back to you because boomerangs. And like Kate's like, why would I need that? <laughs> and so it's a running joke of because boomerangs uh throughout the comic. And then it literally at the end of the comic. Like, in the last issue, the boomerang arrow always comes back! Like, sorry, I got emotional just thinking about it. So, I'm like, out of all the Power Rangers series, is this a fucking reference to Matt Fraction and David Aja? Probably not? I don't know. Like, I'm, th- I'm probably overthinking it. <laughs> There's, there, there is enough nerds, though, that go into writing. It's true, yeah. But... Yeah, I, I'm with you on this, is that she kind of unfortunately falls a lot into the Haley camp as well, of, like, there's not really a whole lot going on. Yeah, that could have been, could have been more, especially, you know, you, you basically had Hot Girl, but she was also the, the techie of the group, so I'm like, you could have done more of that, and you didn't. Yeah, so, I think that's all we really for- have to say about Sarah, unfortunately. All right, so so now we're talking about Levi Weston, our final ranger, gold ranger. Uh, he's basically Brody's long-lost brother, country singer, hilarious, the accidental trans-narrative is back again, where he's just like, yeah, I was born Aiden, but call me Levi. Yeah, and like, we, we learned, like, in that episode that he's, like, his name is Aiden Romero, but he had totally forgotten that and then remembered it and then forgot yeah and but he's just like yeah just keep calling me levi it's 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 weird call me aiden <laughs> yeah it's just so cuz like he and he was like even levi prior to that it's just like recently he got kidnapped and then his brain got his memories got put into i think what's his face like this robot uh, yeah, it was a robot yeah and, like, the funny thing was is that, like, yeah, because he, he was be acting as Levi and going under the name Levi as a country singer, hiding in plain, like, basically hiding in plain sight because, like, uh, him and Brody's dad was just like, hey, so I need you to hide <laughs> because yeah. these monsters are going to come after you. And so he did. So he basically, like, changed his name to Levi, wrote songs, became famous. <laughs> Had a, had a part-time gig as a Power Ranger, it looked like, too. Yeah. Because yeah. he had his Ninja Star and Morpher already. And, right. Yeah. So, and then, you know, Brody met him, and there was tension. It was very funny. He was yeah. like, I don't get it. <laughs> That's a, I want to get to something else later, but it was just very funny to me. He was just like, I don't get what the big deal is. He's just some sort of weird guy. And then it's just like, oh, celebrities are people, too, was the weird episode. Thing with that yeah so but, uh, i would say out of all of the rangers as we see them he has the most personality even though a lot of his personality is that he's just a good fucking guy yeah he's, he's just a good dude he's just like i'll help someone out or you know he uh you know he he basically i think that the person he picked for the best fan costume was someone who dressed up like a fan yeah, like literally as like a oscillating fan. He was like that rolls. Yeah. <laughs> and like I think that like also the fact that he will he will throw around the fact that he is famous, but only really for good. Yeah. 
He's just like, well, I'm Levi Weston, and you shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, like, he doesn't, like, he's definitely somebody who is very down-to-earth and humble. And so, yeah. like, I think it, it leads to some very, like, fun character, like, it leads to some very fun character moments with Levi. And, like, the whole like, explanation for why, even though he was super famous, that he, like, is in school with the rest of them is that he never finished high school. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, I'm gonna be a normal guy and finish high school while we defeat the monsters. Yeah, so it's like, okay, sure. <laughs> that actually does happen, though, a lot with uh, people who are, you know, they get famous and stuff or they have, like, work in Hollywood. And there's a couple of child actors that never technically graduated but have, like, a GED equivalent because of onset tutors. Right. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, it's just like, it was just kind of funny is that like, they just, they, they yeah. wanted to go the simplest route possible. So they're just like, oh, well, Levi never finished school. So uh, he's going to finish school well, and be in high school with the rest of the Rangers. And just everyone just eventually gets used to like, oh yeah, Levi Weston goes to our school. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he learned the most important lesson of all, uh, which is don't change who you are because you think someone is hot. Yeah. So there's like an episode of the, like, there's an episode where this girl that he meets is, like, she's a busker and is singing one of his songs. And so she's just like, oh, my God, like, we should collaborate together. And then, like, it turns out she's a monster who's trying to, like, I summon something. And Levi, like, he, she ends up changing Levi's entire look. And he's clearly not wanting to go with it. But, like, because he, like, thinks she's hot. <laughs> He goes along and it's like, it's, this is the lesson we all have to learn at some point, dude. Like, I guess, yeah, you know, wish you'd learned this sooner and not now. And, you know, you're about to, you know, ca cast a spell that causes everybody around you to be possessed. Yeah. And you to be possessed too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's it for the Rangers. So let's move on to the mentors and allies, which our first one is Mick, who is, uh, his full name is Mick Canick. And I just, I finally got it as a pun for so many years, mainly because I forgot he actually had a last name. <laughs> I just thought he was just Mick, because it's like, ah, oh, he's Mick. And yeah. I didn't realize he had a last name that was Canick. And I'm like, ah! Yeah, that's definitely a Power Ranger. That's an overly obvious Power Rangers pun that's that hits you over the head when you realize it. Yeah. Uh, hey, it's Kelson Henderson again. Yeah, just one of those like uh, <laughs> one of those oh, oh, like reoccurring Power Rangers actors who like keeps coming back every time they film in New Zealand. Yeah. So hey, he's back. Uh. He was honestly one of the best mentors, one of the best things in this really shitty season. <laughs> Which sucks, because it's like, this is the second time this has happened, kind of. Like, if we count Spencer yeah. as a mentor from Operation Overdrive. But, like, yeah, like, it, it's it's so weird about how great Mick is. Like, Mick is, like, the one shining spot of this entire series. And it's like... But I cannot in good faith recommend that anybody watch this fucking show. Well, he later shows up at Dino Fury, so yay. Yay! I'm excited for that. I'm excited for Mick to be in a series that is actually supposedly good. I'm saying supposedly because I've only seen, like, two episodes of Dino Fury. So I don't want to say yeah. it's good and then, like, watch it later and, like, probably not like it. Even though I probably am going to like it. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm on the same boat, so. I was just gonna say, he's like, he's that very good quality mix of just kind of like, he's there for the Rangers, he doesn't hold their hand, and he lets them draw the conclusions, but he doesn't like completely just leave them clueless or like, ah, you'll figure it out. I'm Gosei. Yeah. Like, he is the exact opposite of Gosei in that regard. And yeah, he's, like, the best character in this entire show, honestly. Like, you you actually get, when when the Princess of the Lion Galaxy comes, you actually have a good bit of tension and everything, where he's like, no, I don't want to do something for her, she enslaved my people. It's like, yeah, no, it's like, I think Mick actually has, like, really good character moments on top of actually being, like, a good mentor. Yeah. Uh, also, that wig was one of the best wigs I've ever seen in Power Rangers, and I only clocked it when I was a little bit loop-zooped. <laughs> yeah, I was just, just focusing on it, and I'm like, that's a wig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it is, like, it's actually a very well, like, obviously, yeah, like, that's not gonna be his real hair, but it's, like, it's very well done. Yeah, I even, I even sent it to a cosplay friend of mine, she does wig commissions, and she was like, yeah, no, that's actually good. <laughs> um yeah and then i guess moving on to kind of our next uh main ally is Redbot, who's kind of just our alpha five like ish character like he's a robot who's helpful most of the time and like over enthusiastic kind of childlike kind of childlike um that, there's not really a whole lot to Redbot, but he does have a focus episode where he learns another valuable lesson. Don't get caught lying on the internet. Yeah, don't get caught lying about your cancer. <laughs> and then, like, fake your death, and then we find out it was because you're raising money for your DUI. This is hyper-Pacific, and boy. <laughs> do, do we Rest- have time to not unpack that? <laughs> Yeah, like let's that that's yeah, let's just leave that wrestling Twitter reference where it lays. <laughs> yeah. Uh let's just say a lot of wrestling Twitter is full of catfishes and people that fake their deaths. Yeah, but like him specifically was that he starts a blog where he like writes about the Power Rangers adventures, but it's like he writes about it where he's the one who's the doing everything. So it's not unlike the episode of, like, SPD where Boom was lying to his parents about being a a Power Ranger. But instead of lying to his parents, he's lying to the entire internet. (laughs) Yeah. But he gets a book deal for it and then gets caught in the act of, like, lying about, like, what he was doing. Because the girl who was, like, Levi's biggest fan, who, like, got a backstage pass to that show and then, like, was rescued by the Gold Ranger, also also Levi. Redbot tells that story in his book, but like where Redbot is the one who's saving her, and she's like, "That's not how that happened." I was saved by the Gold Ranger, who's my new hero now. Which, yeah. Side note: I did love Levi being like, "Ah, shucks, that's that's too bad that 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 happened," but I understand because he's very cool. <laughs> just just so silly. It's like, that's something that really only Power Rangers does, truly. (laughs) But, yeah, Yeah. so, I mean, eventually Redbot learns his lesson about not lying on the internet, and also does something heroic where his book deal is not completely, like, cancelled. Yeah, instead of just like, no, they should have just cancelled his book deal. (laughs) 
Yeah, and it's also just like books don't get written that written and published that fast, so No. Anyway, um that's really all we have to say about Redbot. Uh I guess kind of moving on to our last uh, I guess allies, allies is the best way to describe uh, so it's Victor Vincent and Monty, or as we like to call them, Dashing Cody Rhodes and his Mr. Smithers. Yeah. Um, I think the best way to describe these characters was they were trying to capture the magic of Bulk and Skull. But forgot that the magic of Bulk and Skull happened because these characters were around for like five seasons. Yeah, and like, so... Uh, Paul and Jason actually grew into the characters and after season like after season one they actually gave them things to do besides just being like bullies to the rangers who always got their comeuppance yeah so they actually gave them a plot line of we're gonna have them try to figure out who the power rangers are and then you kind of realize oh yeah these guys are doofuses but like they actually have good hearts yeah, and then so, eventually you just, you get to that piano episode and you're crying. Yeah, like, you actually, like, the reason Bulk and Skull work is because they had good, a- not saying that the actors playing Victor and Monty aren't good, but it's like, you had good actors who got to spend a lot of time with the role. Yeah, and, like, I feel like if you, will go on. Yeah, and like, actually got to progress beyond, we're just gonna be playing, like, high school bully characters that we are clearly too old to be playing. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I get that. But I was about to say, it's like, I feel like if the actors, like, if this moved on, which, oh, God, if it did, the actors would have probably been able to grow with these characters, but it's just like, you're trying to capture the charm of Phase 1, Bulk and Skull, and, uh, of Bulk and Skull without realizing it's like they had to grow for people to like them. You, mm-hmm. The first seasons are just so awful, and that's where you're stuck with. But yes, yeah, yeah. also... Chris Reed, who plays Victor Vincent, is clearly too old to be playing a teenager. He is, uh, like, a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. And I was firmly almost 30 to in my 30s when it just still came out. I kind of forget. So he's around that age playing a teenager. Now, he's not, like, the oldest looking man ever. And, you know, they did kind of dress him up to make him look younger. But it's like, you can tell that's a grown-ass man. Yeah, like at he just like at worst he should be playing somebody in his early twenties. Like 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 he But not he a high has, schooler. He he the baby fat melted off of his face. He no longer has anything that resembles like childhood anymore. Yeah. Like he's definitely an adult. Yeah. Um <laughs> too chiseled jaw to play a teenager. Right. And like uh, the 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 most like uh, insightful, uh, in, in, insightful thing I could say about Victor Vincent and Monty is gay, gay, homosexual, gay. <laughs> that that really is is just like that is the especially Monty. Oh man, Monty was just, and I think that was like an original intention for the character before they shut it down as Monty to play Monty very you know in love with Victor. I mean, it still comes across as that, even if like. They weren't allowed to do that expressly. <laughs> yeah, it's still like, very we much say, there. Yeah, when we say Mr. Smithers, we mean Mr. Smithers. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we really do mean that. He, he's, he's just this 
this gay boy who's being a kiss ass to a, you know, dashing jock slash rich guy, you know, yeah. just playing his little lackey. What is it? One of the things we, we joked about was like uh, Vincent has a plan where if he gets, he dies, Monty's buried with him. Yeah. That's what this <laughs> Yeah. Um, so like, just, just imagine that. that that's Victor's death plan. <laughs> yeah. And also much like Bulk and Skull in the first phase, they're meant to be these very intimidating people. Like I think it's like Sarah's first day at school. Like she just mm-hmm. moved. I forgot. She's new in town. But she just moved, and, like, Victor's showing her around the trophies and everything. And you're supposed to get established that, like, Victor is this, Victor Vincent, and, you know, is this jock, you know, king of the jocks, all this shit. He has a sniveling little gay nerd friend. And then it's just, like, none of that, like, like you said, it's like, you wonder, what any of his trophies just come with an asterisk by it? Yeah, because, like... So, because Victor's whole thing is that, like, he wants to get his 50th trophy. It is, like, a reoccurring plot point over these episodes is that Victor wants to get his 50th trophy. And, like, he is constantly lying, cheating, and stealing to do it. And he, But he always gets caught in the end. So it's like, how many of these trophies did you actually win on your own? Like, there should be an investigation. Yeah, he was just kind of that, the bully that's supposed to be this big deal, and then because they just kind of neuter him all the time, he's just kind of, it's like Bulk and Scully's there. And also, sorry for the farts. Oh, God, yeah, like. It's kind of hinted the actors didn't like it either. Yeah, because it's like about 30% of their er, jokes end up just being fart jokes, and it's like, oh, God, like. Including them one time getting cocooned in something and farting and it inflates. And then it gets, and they keep farting and it's stabbed by like the cocoon thing is stabbed. And so their noxious gases spewed out of it and they do this team rockets blasting off again. Yeah, it's, it's very stupid. I was just like, that's part of the, like, I would feel like, like, okay, yeah, I know that fart jokes are always going to have a place in children's entertainment, but like. Truly, Ninja Steel was just full-on overkill that it it just gets very old very quickly. As someone who has part of the nicknames of their cats, Butt Fart, this has too many fucking fart jokes. Yeah, like, I think an episode or two would have been fine, not 30% of their entire, like, joke repertoire. Yeah. Though, I will say it is pretty funny that they save the world as actual fucking clowns. <laughs> yes. It's like, these clowns really, okay. God gives that- his his strongest battles <laughs> to his most stupid clowns. Like, that's- And that is that- how it- <laughs> That's the finale That's of the ending. <laughs> <laughs> oh... Um. So, we're moving on to villains, uh, which we don't have much to say. Galvin X, who the fuck cares? He owned a television show. They didn't do much with him. Yeah, and then, like, ne- next season we had Madame Odious, and her whole thing was that she was fucking evil. That was that's pretty it. much it. That's pretty yeah, much we, it. we literally a- got to writing this outline. We're just like, what do we even say about the villains? Because they were kind of just there. 
Madame Odious may have... Madame Odious's character in Ninja was more interesting, but God, like, here's just like... Yeah. Speaking of fart jokes, I just made a fart noise. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we'll move on to our honorable mentions, which we have uh, Badonna, who she was kind of the second in command for the second season. And man, her accent was all over the place. <laughs> we didn't realize what she was trying to accomplish with her accent. It was like, like a- French... Italian, like, bad parody of a Chinese accent. Russian. Yeah. Russian, like, what are you trying, what, what are you trying to accomplish here? Uh, Dane Romero, who was the dad, and uh, he's a better dad than James, which is, you know, very low I'm- bar to clear, I know, but it's like he gets no screen time. He literally, he comes back into their lives. We don't know that he isn't even around in their lives until the last episode when he drops him off the school and apparently that's just been a thing. Yeah, and like he briefly turns evil in that episode because he's been possessed by the, uh, by the Galaxy Warriors broadcast, but then he, he shakes out of it. Yep. And then we have Principal Hastings, who is kind of our main teacher-ish character. Um, she just yeah. has Dom vibes. Like, that's the best way we can describe her. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, um, oh, what was the principal and bad guy? Elsa! She's oh, like Elsa and yeah. Dino Thunder with that dumb vibes, you know? Yeah, but, you know, you don't even have the plot line of, like, her actually being, like, an evil monster. Like, she's just, that's yeah. how she is. That's how she is. Also, uh, she just absolutely fucking hates Victor and Monty. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame her, but, yeah. Like, barely disguised hatred. <laughs> God, I hate these fucks. Yeah. Um... We have Coda, because it was a great reminder we could be watching something better. <laughs> yeah, so Coda shows up about three times across the series, because, like, he technically shows up in the episode before the anniversary special, because, like, uh, they have these hooded figures that are um, Wes, Gemma, and Coda. Uh, but they don't reveal that they're Wes, Gemma, and Coda until the next episode. But yeah, so he shows up, and then like he shows up in the second Christmas episode because it involves Poissandra and Sledge. Which also, anytime Poissandra and Sledge showed up, because they retconned them like getting launched into the sun. <laughs> yeah, it's just like this is supposed to be separate, but it's not. Hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah, because they apparently just got sucked through a black hole into uh main Power Rangers dimension, I guess. But yeah, so. Also, whenever Poissandra and Sledge showed up, it's also like, man, I could be watching Dino Charge right now. Yeah, we could be we could be watching a much better show. But it was always nice to see Coda and see Yoshi, even though they put him in a very, just truly awful wig. Yeah, that wig was... They put all their energy in that Mick wig. Yeah. It's like, everything else, they were just like, uh... <laughs> we're gonna tease yeah. this one caveman wig. And we're gonna put it on you way too far down your fucking hairline. Yeah. And it's just like, I know Yoshi cut his hair after Dino Charge was over, but come on, man. This is just insulting. Yeah. Uh, then uh, we have uh, Sarah's mom and Haley's dad. Uh, glad they were dating, despite their kid's sabotage. It was also yeah. nice to see Power Rangers and Power Rangers. Yeah, because that very rarely happens. But yeah, because it's implied at the last episode because, like, that they're still dating because, like, when they... So when they're flashing back in the clip show montage, they're just like, 
Well, Haley goes, well, when my dad and Sarah's mom started dating. So I, I think that implies that they're still together. Yeah. So good for them. Yeah, it's good for them. And then Princess Vera of the reform, the reformed Lion Galaxy princess. Yeah, so that's also a plot point that could have, like, carried over for the entire series. Because, like, but she only shows up in two episodes. And the whole thing is, is that she's the princess of the Lion Galaxy. And there's some people that don't think she's fit to rule. And, like, she's trying to prove herself. And then she decides, fuck no, I don't want to be a slaver anymore. So I'm going to reform the Lion Galaxy and, like, by, uh, be inspired by the Power Rangers and be good. <laughs> Which is just like, wow, that's such an interesting plot point that we could really carry over. We're not going to do that? Okay. Okay. So basically, she's really just there to introduce the lion armor into the into the series, unfortunately. Like, yeah. that is basically most of what her uh, existence as a character in this show is. So, now we've reached our odds and ends. We don't have that much to talk about. Um... The anniversary episode, uh, Dimensions in Danger. Um, I like I said, I pulled up a lot of stuff about Simon Bennett, talk about his time. Somebody complained about it on Ranger Board or something a while back, and he went, "If it gives you the satisfaction, I happen to agree that uh, Dimensions in Danger was atrocious." Yeah, I I can't <laughs> decide if it's the worst anniversary special this series has done, but it is kind of up there. It's- <laughs> um, uh, Forever Red, I think, so far is our fun standard. <laughs> it's just dumb. Yeah, like, this one isn't even really dumb. It's just a case of, like... Okay, so, it's, like, here's what annoys me about Dimensions in Danger, is that, like, in terms of, like... And we, there's debates on this, on our, our our post about it on Twitter, about, like, what actually established Power Rangers within the TV show as having s- different dimensions. But, like, overall, I think this is what firmly establishes within the television show, like, 100% in plot, that, yes, all of these, like, Power Rangers does have different dimensions. Because RPM exists in its own universe, where the Vengex virus takes over everything and everything sucks. And then Dino Charge exists in its own universe, where, since Keeper fucked up the timeline, dinosaurs aren't extinct. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like you have five all these timelines, and we have this finally established, but it's like, ugh. You established this in Ninja Steel of all series. Of all series, the one that sucks. (laughs) I'm trying to be nice about it because I know this has to be someone's favorite, but I'm sorry, this is terrible. Yeah. Um, it. Hilarious! I think we watched this right before, like before what happened with JDF happened. Yeah, like we it? were. Yeah, it's like we. I think we watched this probably like about a week or so before, or less than a week before. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so like, fuck us, right? Um. Yeah, fuck us for being like, oh great, non-divorced Tommy is here. Just JDF's like fun idolized version of Tommy, and I'm like, oh. Well, no. I mean, it's still that, I think. Yeah. Um, His and, like, kind of what a lot of fans also wish Tommy was, too. Which, like I said, it's like, that doesn't mean that it's 
good and more adult. That just means... Yeah, it's 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 bittersweet now, I guess, is the best way to, like, yeah. really be generous to it. But, like, as Tommy is one to do, Tommy ends up taking so much of the error of the plot. Yeah. Because Tommy gets kidnapped, and, like, they have, a, like, the monster of the episode turns him into a robot... And, like, so they're worried that it's going like, to no, get all of these- No, the other- monster clones him as a robot. Clones as him a robot as a robot. Clone. doesn't turn him- in- Yeah, robot clone. Okay, that's it. Sorry. So, yeah. like, clones him into a robot, but, like, somehow Tommy escaped and was not kidnapped to be, like, turned into other robot clones, unlike yeah, the other rangers just- in this episode- like Rocky, Rocky got <laughs> captured. Is now in stasis being cloned as a robot. Yeah, and like also, Cat is in this episode, so it's like we have a mention of JJ in this episode because like we when we first see Tommy, he goes up to his house, like he gets out of the car, and like JJ left his bike in the path in the driveway, and like Tommy kind of yells up to the house, JJ, don't leave your bike out here. And T- JJ from the house is like, sorry, dad. So it's like, like but yeah, we're not. JJ. Yeah. So it's like, okay, cool. Like, this is the first, like, I don't know if this is the first canon mention of JJ, but like, it's the first time, like, within the timeline that we know JJ exists. Yeah. So like, okay. Like, that's also why I'm mad about this episode is that we have to establish these important things. Like, JJ and the Master Morpher. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, oh god, I just... Okay, like, like I said, the everything with JDF is just not gonna take away the fact that I hate the concept of the Master Morpher. <laughs> like, it's such a whole, like, well, Tommy's the coolest and most special ranger, so he gets the coolest and most special, like, device. As limited use, you know. Yeah, like, okay, that concept was interesting in Soul of the Dragon, but here it's just like, oh, well, here, we're just gonna have Tommy morph between all of his different morphs because he's the coolest ranger ever. And I'm like, oh, ho, ho, ho. TJ's right there. Yeah, TJ had multiple morphs. Like, why doesn't he get one? Why doesn't Kat get one, even though she was the pink ranger the entire time? (laughs) Yeah, like, Kat should get one. TJ should get one. Like, you I know. just, oh, uh, it's just, yeah, like, the reason that, like, the concept of the Master Morpher, as we've seen it, just bothers me is because only Tommy gets the special toy. There he gets to go between all his different morphs. Like, why don't we give this to Adam? Oh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of that, is that, like, you have all these other rangers that show up, but, like, they don't, it's not, unlike the ranger battle in Megaforce, they don't really get to do much of anything. Yeah, it's like... And with what's a ranger, it kind of had, I think, a bad mismatch of, um, like, you know, you didn't have enough time with the older rangers. It kind of focused more on, like, the Operation Overdrive team is mad because they're replaced. And I'm like, focus on the guys that just came back because I want to know more about their lives. But... It just, because it focused on Tommy, and then you had the Nothing Burger characters of Ninja Steel. And I'm like, okay, but what's TJ up to? What's, you know, our, our cat and, you know, Tommy married? What's what's Wes up to lately? There's Wes. I love Wes. What's Coda up to? Shit, I'll Or Gemma. Take- like, what's, how's Gemma, Gemma been doing since the end of RPM? 
you know, you you had you know you had Trent there. Like, what's Trent doing? You know, you had a lot. I'll even take what's Rocky doing. Yeah, like give me updates on any of these characters besides oh they're here for the quick pop. But now we're gonna go back to Tommy and how cool he is. It's like yeah. this has just been uh, this has been a problem with Power Rangers for a while. And like I know this is not gonna alleviate like this is not this is not JDF's fault like. This is like the the franchise as a whole just has decided, well, everybody like gravitated to Tommy as a kid. So we're just going to make Tommy the most important Power Ranger ever and never really give anybody else space to be as important as him. Yeah, it's like it pretty much feels oftentimes with the franchise mm-hmm. um, when nobody's asking about Tom- when Tommy's not around, everybody should be asking, where's Tommy? Yeah, and like, and again, it's bittersweet. It's going to be bittersweet now with the 30th anniversary special coming up. Is that JDF had stepped away from doing Power Rangers stuff because he wanted to focus on yeah. other things, so he's not yeah. in that one. And like, I'm like, I'm still kind of relieved about that because it's going to let like the other Rangers from MMPR that are not, you know, Tommy or um, Jason kind of have roomed and like i hopefully check in on them and how they've been doing yeah but like now it's also but it's also gonna be a little bittersweet now because like jds not gonna be there and but also the fact that this like this special is the last time we see jdf and canon as tommy yeah and uh, yeah it's just and i understand you know JDF didn't plan to die. Mm. I'm going to say that. He didn't plan to die. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he, he did want to move on from the character. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I, you know, I think that was overall a good decision on his part to, like, move on from the character. So that way he could have, you know, I and I wish he would be, like, even if I was going to clown on it, I wish he would be around to, you know, still go and focus on other things that he wanted to do. Yeah. But, yeah, and it's just, like, because, yeah, this entire episode just ends up becoming the Tommy show, and it kind of sucks, because it's, like, it, it. I feel like it goes against what Ra- the power, what Power Rangers is about kind of, like, the once a ranger, always a ranger, and we don't get to really mm-hmm. see what the other rangers are up to overall, or have them have a big hero moment, because it all just comes yeah. back down to, oh, well, Tommy's the one with the, mor- uh, with the Master Morpher, so he's gonna have all the cool, like, fight scenes to do with himself like with himself the robot clone and oh oh he's gonna like call on his one of his zords to like snatch the dimension arrow out of the sky and everybody's gonna stand around and cheer it's like yeah so so far forever red really has been the better one because it's like everyone got their cool moment yeah and like here it's just like okay so cat's here tj's here are we gonna no okay Thanks, I guess. Because even, like, because even with the problems with, like, Once a Ranger, like, you at least got to check in a little bit with, like, the past, like, Disney Rangers. And, like, Adam even got to have those really great moments where he's just, like, you know, oh, gotta do this old school or, like, be in shock over the fact that Tommy managed to get his doctorate. It's like, Tommy has a PhD? You're kidding me. <laughs> you know, and, and, and like you said, like, you found out uh, how Bridge got promoted to Red Ranger. 
you mm-hmm. found out i think you found a little bit of like what's going on with briarwood and xander uh you know he's running he's help running the shop still uh, yeah, I think then, you like, found out you, Kira was like ha- her, her recording career was like progressing. Yeah, from where when when we last saw her, you found out that you know Tori opened up a surf shop. Uh, Adam has his own karate studio. You know, it's like you're finding out things. Whereas like here, it's like I, I, guess, I, I guess Wes is the point guy for the dimensional stuff. Yeah, because he shows up again later in the episode, but it's like, that kind of goes against what, I mean, not, doesn't really go against, because, like, we know that Jen is the head of, um, Time Force, so I'm like, mm-hmm. but how, but, you know, how does Wes get involved with, like, keeping track of dimensions, and, like, well, how is Gemma doing? Because, like, clearly, like, you know, we kind of left RPM off on a cliffhanger, so did Vengex come back? Are we, like... Is she still a Power Ranger? Like, or is she a Power Ranger again? What What is she doing in Corinth? Like, yeah. it's it, it's kind of was just a little bit a little bit of a letdown in that regard because it's just like I want to know how these other Rangers are doing as well, and not just oh, here's what Tommy's up to, and there's some other Rangers. Um, and like even with the current situation going on i'm like no i still feel this way and it just makes me kind of a little mad that this is going to be the last thing we ever see of like jason david frank in power rangers yeah like because i was like i feel like we could have had a chance maybe later on for him to do something that was like a little had a little bit more meat to it or like Maybe just have, like, something that's a little bit more ensemble with, like, the other, like, Mighty Orphan Rangers. But it is what it is, and as an episode, as an anniversary episode, I just, I, even with current circumstances, I cannot in good faith say that I like it, because I do not. Yeah, no, it is, it is probably one of the worst anniversary episodes. Yeah, because it's, like, even with, like, you don't even get the cool, like, Ranger battle to, like, play everything off, like... Yeah, it's just Tommy. It's just Tommy. <laughs> um, so moving on to some quick points. Um, so I remember when I first watched this, I completely forgot about the whole plot point that Levi was supposed to be Brody's brother. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, when they first met, this is when I first watched this, and that you know when I watched it this time, I'm like, oh yeah, that's his brother. So I'm like, they have a little you know chemistry there. And then all of a sudden, it's like they're brothers, and I'm like, "Oh fuck, no, no, ew." Yeah, even I thought that. Like when we first watched the episode, I'm like, "This is kind of gay." And then, like two episodes later, we find out they're brothers, and are like, "Oh, never mind." Oh, never mind. So I know there has been stuff of surprise incest in the past. The biggest example, of course, being Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Will Will Leia get with Luke, or will Leia get with Han? It turns out Luke's her brother. <laughs> yep. Um, um, it's just, just like everybody's like oh George Lucas was not com- pulling this out of his ass he absolutely was pulling this out of his ass don't lie to yourself <laughs> yeah, don't lie to yourself he was doing a will they won't they love love uh, thing there and he was like well um, Han got with Leia so I guess that's that's uh, that's her brother now and I'm like what the fuck yeah that, so- and that was a thing in the 1970s as confirmed by my dad and my mom who went to that movie on a date, so... Yeah, and as... But... You, you, so here's the specific point you made of, like... 
I do know of like older fandoms where something where like there was, you know, the actors had chemistry or something or it may have not been known till much later. And then all of a sudden you find out they're related and it's like, ah, no. And there's just this complete wipe of like fan fiction and fan art off the internet. So I'm wondering, it's like, was there, when this was going on, was there like a, a Levi Brody tag going on or something? And then all of a sudden you find out they're brothers and you're just like, no, we're going to erase this now. Nope. As, about- as it happens. Yeah. So um, if you have the answer to that, let me know. Because I was like, I really wasn't reading thick or anything at the time. So let me know if this was a thing. Because I do find that stuff actually very fascinating. Yeah. It is when accidental, is when surprise incest happens. And you're like, well, I got to wipe this ship out. Or p- people keep going because some people like it. Ah, I'm not going to hear, going to kink shame me right now. So. Yeah, I'm not kink-shaming, um, I'm kink-asking why. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good one. Um, we also wanted to note that the battle eyes were the season, which was Princess Vera's basically lion armor. Uh, it was Comrade Battleizer. Uh, people, anyone could use it. Yeah, because I think it's some, I think every ranger got to use it at some point, even though, like, it was obviously, it was mostly used by Brody, but I think Levi used it, I know Preston used it, I want to say... Calvin and Haley also got to use it too. Yeah. So about everyone got to use it once. And I was like, ah, Comrade Battleizer instead of it's the Red Rangers. Because even though Carone did all the work, her emotional support himbo got the thing. Yeah, anyway. I was bitching about that to a friend of mine the other day when he came over to help me with some uh some chores because I'm still recovering from my hysterectomy. So but so yeah, I guess I'm now that kind of person who will just bitch about Corona in the battleizer whenever somebody leave, gives me an opening just, just, I just love that we just coined Leo the emotional support himbo he is though like that's his lot is that he's the emotional support himbo and then you wanted to point this out because you were more of a mighty bush watch, watcher than me and so was Kurt when he was watching this but uh the solution for the game goblin was just dressing Preston up like old Greg no, it was dressing Levi up as old Craig. Uh, I thought it was Preston, actually, because no, Levi wasn't ep- into the game. No, no, Levi wasn't into the game, and so, but since Preston was having to deal with getting, pe- like, getting the Rangers actually out of the game, uh, okay, I had to okay. Levi up to, like, um, coming up with a solution. Of course, mixed solution is like, oh, well, I'm just gonna paint your face green and put a mop head on you, and you're just gonna act like you turn into a gremlin. Which, uh, or a goblin or something. I don't remember what they called it. And then that's actually what happened when they reached level 10. Um, <laughs> as you find out with the monsters. But then, like, I, but when that happened, I was like, so, he's just old Greg. You just turned him into old Greg. <laughs> also, that really just shows you how much we do not remember this show. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm like, no, it was specifically Levi, because that's our header for Twitter right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we finally got to our verdict. It's been a while, but yeah, yeah, it stinks. It stinks. It stinks. Uh, This show was a a lot of a letdown. Uh, You know, we mentioned... 
it, you know, it's coming after Dino Charge, which is objectively one of the better Neosapon era seasons. And this, there, there's feel, this feels like you might have, you know, gotten Dino Supercharge quality at the very least. But instead, you basically got, here are these interesting characters, setting and backstory, but we're gonna take it back to 1993. Uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, this is still the worst parts of 1993 storytelling, too. We're not even gonna get any of the good shit. And, yeah, it doesn't even do a good job with that. It makes for a very broken show with little tension, disappointing characters, and what honestly has felt like our biggest waste of time since watching season one. Which is tragic, because there really was a lot to go there. Yeah, I, I, yeah I have to agree with Sid on this. Like, there's a lot of potential coming off of Dino Charge to do something interesting and cool, especially with the first ninja-based season since Ninja Storm. And yet, we just get the show made with 1993 sensibilities when a lot of the children's TV market had just moved the hell on. Even the Dan Schneider era of Nickelodeon had been, like, forcibly forced out of the door several years back at this point. So why are we still doing generic morality plots and fart jokes? There are a few bright spots, but it's honestly one of the most painful slogs we have sat through since the beginning of this podcast. All right, that's it for this episode. As always, we'd like to thank Kate Nix for our bitchin' theme song. Currently, her site, katenix.com, is under construction. However, Linktree, under I am Kate Nix, leads you to her Bandcamp and streaming site, katenix.tv. She does a bi-monthly show, The Lounge, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. If you're wondering if it's an on-month, you can check out her show's Instagram, It's The Lounge. She also has personal accounts using Zenek, which is her name spelled backwards, on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok if you want Flair and Winslow, the big piano-playing cat. As of this recording, she is doing her generic holiday special on December 20th and the 23rd. If you're listening to this later, you can catch that and her older episodes of The Lounge on her YouTube channel, Kate Nix. We also like to thank Joe Hunter for our artwork. You can find him at Joe Bloody Hunter on Instagram and Joe underscore Hunter on Twitter as well as Patreon. You can read his comic, Beast Heart Strikers, which he does with Lamp Hits uh, on Comixology. Pick that up today along with backup. He's on backup issues of Radiant Black. He also has a Threadless store, joehunter.threadless.com. We also like to thank Kurt Yoder for the editing. Uh, he's on great SG creations on Etsy. And he's uh, great SG pixels on uh, Twitter as well as Instagram. Uh, and he's also just a great SG on Twitter if you want to follow him there. We'd like to thank our $5 patrons for this month. Uh, Griffman, thank you so much for your support. If you'd like to subscribe to our Patreon, it's uh, Rangers Plane at Patreon. And uh, for $5, you'll, you can get a shout out on this podcast as well as a stream. We like to do those streams. They're pretty fun. Our wrestler of the podcast is uh, Dashing Cody Rhodes, because we just kept making jokes about Victor being Dashing Cody Rhodes. We're not, we don't like Cody, so we're not going to tell you his, his socials. He's easy to find. He's easy to find. Just find him under Cody Rhodes, and just tears of, please validate my existence. Constantly. <laughs> All right, and as for me, uh, you can still find me on Twitter, assuming that by the time this episode comes out, it has not completely collapsed as a platform, uh, under Miss Kitty F. That is also my Instagram. 
Um, on my Twitter account, you can find link tr- my link tree, which takes you to all of my links for my stores, um, Ranger Splane, my portfolios. Uh, my main one, obviously, is ashley-leckwell.square.site, where you can find my masks, my uh, comics, a couple of blankets, or just whatever I've made that I just feel like throwing up there. Hey, you can find me on Twitter, assuming, yes, it has not collapsed by the time of this podcast coming up, uh, Velasa Riker. That is also my Tumblr and Instagram as well. Uh, my Instagram is locked, so I'm going to probably be cautious about, like, who's coming in. Uh, and then I also have my store, Coda's Magical Crafts, uh, that you can find uh, on Twitter at Coda's Crafts, Instagram at Coda's Crafts, and TikTok at Coda's Magical Crafts. There is a like bio link link tree in those profiles. You can find the store on Etsy as well as my Square site. And as for this podcast, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Ranger Splain. Uh, again, I mentioned the Patreon, and uh, we also have a our WordPress, which is our main site, with at rangersplain.wordpress.com. Uh, give us a five-star ranking wherever you listen to us. Uh, help us beat that algorithm out. And, well, that's all she wrote for the Neo-Saban era. And this year. Next episode is New Year, New Yus, and a brand new Big Gay Overview. This time, it's about the Neo-Saban era. As always, stay safe out there. Have a happy holiday season. Give a trans person 20 bucks and may the power protect you. Go. Just play.